Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Perfect Faith Podcast. I'm Kirk Klingerman, your host, and this is episode 13 of season 4. This episode is entitled Church and Government Lessons from Daniel, Part 2, which states the obvious. This is a follow-up from last week's podcast. And uh, another title that this could be would be uh, How the Church Should Interact with government lessons from Daniel. So this is part two where we're going to pick up where we left off last time. There was a segment in which I talked about a dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had in which it was discovered that he was going to lose his kingdom for a season if he didn't repent. In other words, he had a dream. He didn't understand it. He couldn't get the interpretation. So he finally called on the prophet Daniel. And this is found in Daniel chapter four. So Daniel went to the king and interpreted it to him and letting him know that, one, this prophecy is for those that are against you or those that are of his kingdom, but also to let him know that you are going to lose your kingdom and you're going to be thrust out and you're going to be in the field and be as a beast. Basically, he's going to lose his mind. And Daniel at that time implored King Nebuchadnezzar to repent so that his tranquility could be ongoing, which is interesting. And this is one of the lessons we learned from Daniel is that when he interacted with authority, he was trying to act on their, in their best interest. What makes that interesting is simply this, is that King Nebuchadnezzar, as many of you well know, was responsible for the death of, uh, death of thousands of Israelis or his uh, fellow citizens of Israel, including probably a number of his family members. But even still, he sought uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's welfare. And so again, he, he sought him, asked him to repent, and he would not. So a year later, after that dream, King Nebuchadnezzar is walking along, looking over all the works of his hands, declaring its glory, and just talking about how he did all these things by his own power, his own might. And at that point, there's a voice from heaven just declaring that your kingdom is removed from you. And he was thrust out just as, as the dream indicated, and he was passed over seven times, which I, I'm not sure what that time frame is. It may be seven years, might be seven weeks. I don't know, to be honest. I've got to study that out. But at any rate, he was thrust out of office for a season. And so now we're picking back up where we left off there, because this is something that I left off last week. And my wife, Kathy, asked me the question, well, what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar? And I thought, oh, I can't believe I left that out. So we're going to put that in right here, right now. So what we're going to do is I'm going to pick up in Daniel 4, verses 34 35, uh, through 35. And please, by all means, follow along with your Bible if you've got it handy. Otherwise, pause the video and then or the audio, depending on what you are uh, engaged with here, and go get your Bible. You know, follow along. Um, so we'll continue. Oh, wait, go ahead. Anyway, Daniel 4. Verse 34 through 35. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him who lives forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he does according to his will in the army of heaven. Among, and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? Or, What are you doing? 
And then in verse 37, he says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are true and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. And of course, in that last phrase, he is able to abase, he found out firsthand. So the Lord humbled him, and then he declared that he is God, and I am not, right? So as a result of Daniel being submissive to the will of the Lord, if you, again, check out last week's podcast where God had given instruction to those that went into captivity and how they were to be in relation to those of the city in which they found themselves. And part of that was praying for their peace. Part of our interaction with government really goes back to the Great Commission. It's the the call to make nations disciples or to disciple nations. In Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus said, Go you therefore and teach all nations, or make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So we are called as disciples of Jesus Christ to make disciples of nations. So that means it's more than just talking with individuals. It's talking with pockets of society. It's talking with those in government. There are these different realms of influence in which we find ourselves. There's a place for both you and myself where the Lord has us to be so that we have a sphere of influence that's going to be able to help disciple whatever nation we find ourselves or group of people. Now remember, there is that uh, ripple effect, right? So how we live our life, it's going to influence those around us, which in turn will influence those around them and so on. It does go out that way. And when you look at Daniel's life, for example, and the way he exemplified the example on how to interact with those in authority or with government, you found that he had a great influence on King Nebuchadnezzar as well as King Darius and Cyrus and some of those and some of the other kings in which he was under. But it all came down to him allowing himself to be placed into position. If you recall in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18, it says this. It says, Now has God set the members of every one of them in the body as it has pleased him. So in other words, there's a place in the body of Christ for everybody. There are specific things that the Lord has in mind for you and for myself. And that includes even those that might even be called the government. Now remember, we know, for example, we have the fivefold ministries, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, which you can find that in Ephesians chapter 4. And these, of course, offices belong in the church. But there are these different realms in which we're called to. I mean, some people call them realms of influence. Some call them mountains or mountains of influence. And they could be places such as government or could be in the entertainment industry. It could be the military. It could be in the courts or justice system. It could be in a variety of areas. It's just a question of where does he want you and me and how are we supposed to interact in those situations. Also, when it comes to government, we have authority. Remember, the word says in Revelation that Jesus made us kings and priests. And that means that we have authority. So let's put it this way. 
If you have influence, you have authority. And God has given you an authority in which that we can declare the kingdom of God and go forward. So that takes us to the next segment, and that is this, that proper interaction with government requires faith. Proper interaction with government requires faith. In other words, you're going to need to do this. We are all going to need to do this by faith. Remember in Romans 10, 17, it says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That means we need to hear from the Lord as to how we are to interact with government. Let me say this too as well. I do not want to leave some impression that we are not ever to confront those in authority. It is not a question of whether we engage with them or not. It's a question of how we engage with them. We are to engage, but there is a correct way to engage, and it has to be right in the sight of the Lord, which we'll touch on that a little bit in a little bit more detail. But again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Just as Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I believe that's Matthew 4, verse 4. So we need to enter into prayer and listen to what the Lord is saying as to what to do. And then minister or uh, interact accordingly. So we're looking at 2 Peter 4, verses 7 through 11. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer, and above all things have fervent charity or love amongst yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God gives, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So again, there's a right way to do things and, of course, a wrong way to do things. And let me interject this too, then we'll go into some points about what I just read. We need to stand down or stay away from a political spirit when it comes to any sort of engagement or maybe even confrontation, because a political spirit is actually a very carnal spirit. And I would dare say there's probably some demonic activity behind that. You notice that those that take on that spirit become very militant, very oppositional, and there is no place for repentance in using that spirit, if you will. For example, if I was to come hard against you, trying to get my point across, trying to demoralize you, not being respectful, shouting at you, and so on, how apt are you going to want to listen to me? You're going to be like, buddy, go away. But if, on the other hand, if I come humbly, you know, with your best interest at heart, you might be more apt to listen to what I have to say. So getting back to this faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If we feel like we're going to interact somehow with government, say something about them publicly, which we'll touch more on that in just a moment, there's a few questions we might want to ask ourselves. One is, will this glorify God? Number two, is this going to please Him? And in this, what is His will? What is God really saying? What is it that He wants to, what does He want us to do? How does He want us to respond? Does He want us to say anything? Or do you, does He want us to be silent and just merely pray? What does He 
want us to do exactly. See, that's where it's important that we ask him for wisdom along with the understanding and the knowledge of his perfect will so that we can interact or engage with those in authority in a proper manner and which is going to be more beneficial to the kingdom. And this leads to the next, next segment, and that is proper interaction requires Holy Spirit. The way we interact with other people along with those in authority does require Holy Spirit to do it in the best way possible. In Matthew 10, 18-20, Jesus said, And you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour that you shall speak. For it is not you who speaks, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Then in John 16, verse 13, it says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, and he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. And one more verse we'll read real quick here, and that is Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where it says, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth. So this is the good news about what I just read is simply this, is that we don't have to do this on our own. and We don't have to do it in our own power. It means we can do it with the power or the grace which God's given us. And by the way, grace is something that the Lord has given us so that we can do the things of God that we couldn't normally do in our own strength. So grace isn't some sort of get out of hell free card where we can act and do whatever we please because that's not okay. It's not okay to run off into carnality and try to cover it with grace, just as we are warned about those who turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. If you read that in, in Jude, I believe that is. But anyway, I digress. So let's move on a little bit. So that leads us to another segment, and that is proper interaction with government requires no compromise. Proper interaction with government requires no compromise. Now we're going to give you another example. We're going to go back one chapter in Daniel, chapter 3. And we're going to talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the ones that were cast into the fiery furnace. And this was a time, in fact, I'll read verse 1 of Daniel 3, where it says, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, whose height was three score cubits, or three scores sixty, and the breadth thereof six cubits, and he set it up in the plain of Dura and in the province of Babylon. Okay, after he made this uh, image of gold, he had a he had a a dedication that was made to made for this for this image in which he called all those all of his princes his sheriffs and all the people of the land and he gathered them together and this is what he decreed or had someone herald decree and verses four through six uh, Daniel three four through six says it this way. Then a herald cried out loud, "To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages." that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whoso fails, or excuse me, and whoso falls not down and worships the same shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Okay, so everyone's bowing down to this image except who? 
You guessed it, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So there were certain Chaldeans that decided they were going to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before King Nebuchadnezzar and accuse them of that very thing. And of course, obviously, the evidence was stacked against them. They weren't bowing down. They weren't compromising the word of God. So we pick it up in verse 12, going through 14. There are certain Jews, and again, this, these are the Chaldeans speaking against these three. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded you. They have not served your gods, nor worshipped the golden image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not you serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up. Now verse 15. Now if you be ready, that at, the, at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, sack, uh, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I made well. So in other words, hey, if you bow down before this image that I made, it's cool. Everything's cool. But if you worship not, you shall be cast at the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Okay, this again, obviously, is before he was humbled before the Lord. So what was Daniel, what was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response? Well, here's what it says in verse 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. You know, we're not, we're not giving it a, a second thought, right? If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, or your hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. They are pretty bold. That gives us a couple lessons, by the way. One is God's word should be so ingrained in us that compromise never even comes to mind. The word of God should be so ingrained in us that even compromise doesn't even raise a flag. So that leads a question for both you and me. How much time are we spending in the word of God? How much time are we allowing it to renew our mind to think differently than we once did? So that we think more like God, you know, like he said, my thoughts are above your thoughts, just as my ways are above your ways, which is actually an invitation for us to come and receive his thoughts and his ways. Hence, we've been given the mind of Christ. So how much are we spending time in the word, letting that take a hold of us, right? Secondly, his word will keep you firm, just as he will keep you firm in the faith. So if we stand on his word, he'll keep you from falling apart in extreme times. Think about it. Here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before the king who's threatening to throw them into a fiery furnace, which, of course, he did. But not only did he throw them into that furnace, he had that, the fire of that furnace stoked up seven times hotter than it was originally, so hot that those that threw them in actually died from the blast of the heat. And, of course, we know that Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego had a fourth person arrive in that fire with them and nothing happened. Nothing happened to them because they stood firm 
in their faith. They stood firm without compromising. They stayed the course, and God honored that and delivered them from that fiery furnace. So what was Nebuchadnezzar's response to that after they were brought out without any harm? Verse 28 through 30, again, Daniel 3. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies, that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Now check this out before I read any farther. It said that the god in whom they served was able to change the king's word. And that is important for us to take to heart right now in our times, regardless of what country you might find yourself. Myself, I'm in the, in the United States. Regardless of what those in authority might do as far as making policy goes, you know, they might make things that are, they, it's, you know, make ungodly policies, and we've seen that happen. Take heart. Know that God is able to actually change those policies or those laws that are contrary to his word. But if we, his people, would just simply humble ourselves before him and pray and seek his face, we will see things happen if we really get diligent or intentional about that time of prayer. You know, again, I touched on this last week, but this is really an important time for us in the body of Christ. It is time for us to come to repentance. It's time for us to become one body. That's what we have been called to be, is one body. There should not be division in the body of Christ. That's why today we see so much division throughout our country and others. It's because the body of Christ is divided. You don't think what we do or don't do affects those around us or the world for that matter? It's like I said earlier in Revelation, we are told that God made us kings and priests. We have authority and what we do or fail to do does affect the places in which we reside. If you, in fact, here's my challenge to you. Study the Bible. Go back and see what the Lord says about the way his people conduct themselves in relation to what's going on in the land. And you, you might say, well, yeah, but brother, we're under grace. You know, we're not under the Old Testament because a lot of, you know, a lot of this has been brought out under the Old Testament or under those covenants. However, the principles still remain the same. Again, as I said earlier, grace isn't some do-as-you-please get out of hell free card. It is not. Grace is something that God gave us so we could do the things of God that we normally could not do in our own strength. Grace was meant to empower us, in other words, to do the things that are pleasing to the Lord, not do things that are pleasing to the flesh. So we need, to, as the body of Christ, to just step back. Each of us individually, I have to do this, and I've done it, and continue to do it, asking the Lord to show me my heart to see if I'm out of bounds somewhere, if I'm doing something displeasing or if I've acted displeasing. You know, I do it in faith. I do it both in the fear of the Lord and yet, and I do it out of love as well. I mean, I, I rest in the relationship through Jesus Christ. I have confidence in my Lord and Savior that he has delivered me from the wrath to come. But I am going to stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ. I know that. But what drives me more so is my love for my Father, whom I don't want to hurt, whom I want to please. I want to please my Lord Jesus, as you do, as we all do. So it's important that we just step back and ask him, Lord, what about me? Where's my heart? And then where are we as the church, as the body of Christ? As I stated in the last episode, 
We, there is only one God and Father. There's only one Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one Holy Spirit, and there's only one church. And when you read John 17, one of the, in which, where you find Jesus praying to Father, one of the things he says, I pray that they be one as we are one. His heart's cry was that we be one body. And so if we could put away with our foolishness, our jealousies, our envies, our striving against one another, our unforgiveness. And yes, it's time for some of you to start forgiving those that have hurt you. It's time for you to let that go because it's actually depriving you of mercy. It's depriving you of healing. It's depriving you of forgiveness. Because Jesus said, if you will not forgive, the Father will not forgive you. See, all these things right now, our lack of love one toward another is affecting the world in a negative way. The way they are going to know that God sent Jesus into this world is that we walk in the fullness of love. So it's important, again, that we allow the Word of God to renew our minds so that we can think more like Him and come in agreement with God and do things His way. Otherwise, we will not have influence in this world. We will not influence those in authority. In fact, much of our influence has been lost over the last several years because of our division, because of us thinking more of the things of this world. You know, we can get so engrossed in what's going on around us that we lose sight of the kingdom. We lose sight of even our relationship with the Lord. If you remember, Jesus talked in the parable of the sower. He said there was... Where, one, where some seed was planted, the weeds around it, or the thorns around it, rather, grow up and choked that seed where it produced no fruit. So what, is, what, is, what are thorns? Thorns are the cares of this world. They are the deceitfulness of riches. They are the, the cares, or they are the lust of other things. See, they are things that are contrary to the kingdom. So when you get your focus on the things of this world and lose sight of the things of the kingdom, you're going to lose your influence. I am going to lose my influence. We, as the body of Christ, will lose our influence. We've got to be intentional about our walk with our Lord. And I know many of you are intentional. I know you. I've met a number of you that are just so on fire for God, so want to see the healing not only in this nation, but throughout the world. There are just so many people that are hurting. We don't have time to be messing around anymore. It's time that we get on, on the bandwagon, if you will, with the Lord and just start doing things His way. So anyway, because they did not compromise, they had influence with King Nebuchadnezzar. And God was able to change King Nebuchadnezzar's decree, and God can change the things that are taking place in our governments as well. So moving on, King Nebuchadnezzar says this, Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Now remember, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were actually in some places of authority along with Daniel. So they were already serving the king, but now he just promoted them up even higher. Why? Because they did not compromise the word. Think about this. As children of God, we do have favor with man. We do. But we even have more favor when we come in agreement with God altogether. When we walk obediently, the Lord opens up doors that might not normally open, right? Again, yeah, 
His mercy endures forever. Absolutely true. And His mercies are new every morning. But He loves obedience. I mean, I don't know about you, but yeah, I do, actually. Don't we all want to let the Lord's joy be complete? Don't you want to see His heart filled with joy? Well, how does that happen? Our obedience. Let's just obey Him and do this thing His way. So, final point. Final point. Proper interaction requires patience. Proper interaction with those in authority, with government, and with one another, by the way, requires patience. Hebrews 6, verse 10 through 12. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, and that you have ministered to the saints, and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them through faith and patience inherit the promises. Okay, so how do we inherit the promises? Faith and patience. Remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we receive the promise by faith. We continue on to inherit that promise through patience because sometimes that promise doesn't come the very moment that we hear it, right? Many of you experience that. You've been promised things and for some of you, they haven't come yet. So there is a patience that takes place. But know this, God is faithful who promised, and his word will not return unto him void. He will, they, it will accomplish what he pleases. It will prosper where he sends it. God is faithful who promised. So the thing is, a point about this is we are exhorted to walk with patience. Again, if you think about it, Daniel... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in captivity for years. All these things that transpired weren't in moments. You know, like when we're reading this in the Bible, it may seem like, you know, this, you know, I read about this happened Monday, then Tuesday this happened, and Wednesday this happened. No, no, no. This happened over a span of years. You know, even as we discovered before, when, when Daniel was looking at Jeremiah 29, he was trying to discern the time frame in which they were because Jeremiah or the Lord through Jeremiah had prophesied or had declared that after 70 years, uh, those in captivity were going to return back home. So Daniel had started to look for that promise. So that means Daniel had been under King Nebuchadnezzar for a long time. He was under King Darius for a long time. And be between those two, there was Belshazzar, and then there was Cyrus and so on. But there was a patience that was required to see change. That's right. We've got to be in this for the long haul. We've got to be patient in the time in which we find ourselves. Remember, everything does have a shelf life. Everything. Everything that you see going on right now in the world, whatever that is, has a shelf life. It's going to come to an end. There is a new heaven and earth coming. And all of this is going to fade away. It's going to burn, actually, right? So... Anyway, here we have it. So this concludes this segment of the church and government or how should the church interact with government, part two. So we'll close it down right here. And by the way, if this is something that's been benefiting you or uh, you want to help us get the word out, you know, by all means, subscribe to this podcast, share it with others, like it, and so on. I mean, I don't put any pressure on that. It's just simply we want to get the word out to people to help. And the other thing, too, before I wrap it up, is this, is we're trying to build community. We want to walk side by side with each other. We want to love on each other and pray for each other 
And so I do put the invitation out there. If you have a prayer request that you want to share with us, we want you to feel free to do that. And there's a couple ways you can do that. One is if you feel comfortable, leave the prayer request in the comments in the, it, below. Or you can email me at uh, Kurt at PerfectFaith.org. Kurt at PerfectFaith.org. And we'll pray for you. We'll pray along with you. And we'll seek the Lord on your behalf. And uh, I try to be careful or mindful to, to check for those requests. And of course, acknowledge the fact that we got them. To let you know that, yeah, we got it. And we're praying in agreement with you. And if you leave in the comments, please, everybody, if you see someone praying, you know, asking for prayer, please come join along with us in prayer for, the, for those that need it. So with that, we'll close up right here and now. Hey, be blessed, my friend, in Jesus' name.